When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jalen Rose, I am David Jacoby. We are Jalen and Jacoby. What is it that Walk we up. do? Get the people! They want a lot on the show today. We'll be celebrating the life of Bill Russell. We also have Angela Rye, special correspondent for ESPN, joining us later. But first, we start with the ruling from Judge Robinson that Deshaun Watson will be suspended for six games beginning this NFL season for sexual misconduct. He violated the NFL's personal conduct policy. Mr. Rose, what is your initial reaction to this ruling from Judge Robinson? So my initial reaction as a a multimedia member, this is a topic that was so very taboo in a lot of ways for the last series of months for us to even discuss because it was nuanced, it was layered, and it was clearly so many people involved and you didn't want to necessarily um, offend anyone that had an allegation clearly against Deshaun Watson. I think the circumstance for him changed a lot when two things took place. Mm. One, when he was acquired by the Browns and two, when they gave him the largest guaranteed money of any quarterback in the history of the NFL. I think what changed at that moment is it seems like there started to be a thawing of the information that maybe they were receiving and hearing that we as outsiders didn't necessarily gather because you would think that they probably wouldn't be giving him that kind of deal if they thought that he'd be suspended for an extremely long time. And us sitting back and waiting for the ruling I would think here in six games, I think when you're him and his team, Jacoby, I think you're really happy and satisfied that it's six games. I think if you feel like he's guilty, that you feel like this isn't enough. So now let's take some examples. A guy like Calvin Ridley, what he was gambling on and what he did, or Vontez Burfitt, the hits that he did and when he got suspended. In context, people are going to look at Deshaun Watson's punishment and look at it as a a light one compared to those other situations. But again, it's always been a tough call and a tough conversation for us to navigate. That's why it was important for us to bring on, as you mentioned, Angela Rye to kind of break it down for us. Special correspondent Angela Rye joins us now. Angela, in my personal opinion, six games seems light. And the way that the Browns have structured the contract, the financial impact on Mr. Watson is also very, very light. How do you, what is your initial reaction to hearing this ruling from Judge Robinson? Um, you know, unfortunately, Jacoby, I think it's expected. I think there are a number of folks who are aware of the personal conduct policy Um, When you look at Ben Roethlisberger, he was also suspended for six games. There are definitely folks who are talking about how it's very different, 25 
um, versus an, one incident are very different. Nonetheless, um, I think it was expected. I think the one comfort I have in this is that the NFLPA will not, um, at least they've said they won't appeal this ruling. The NFL still could. And I think the challenge here is what Jalen mentioned, and it is that historic guaranteed contract that Deshaun Watson received while the investigation was ongoing. Um, while there were more than um, 25 lawsuits pending, we know, of course, today, three more of the suits are settled. So now he settled 24 of the 25 civil lawsuits against him. And so I think now what the NFL really needs to wrestle with is what it means to their women fans. Um, I think it was really telling that the Cleveland Browns said they would go forth with this historic guaranteed contract with Deshaun Watson while again, all of these allegations were still pending. And I think furthermore, uh, the way of course that the deal was structured. So he has a $1 million base salary, which means he will only lose about $350,000 during this three game suspension where he's allowed to return for the October 23rd game against the Baltimore Ravens. And then he gets a $45 million bonus Whereas the rest of the years on his contract through 2026, he earns 46 million as a base. So I think there also has to be some reckoning with that as well. Angela, what about in context of Deshaun's suspension? And as I mentioned, a, a guy like Calvin Ridley, for example, who got a, a more stiff suspension for basically petty gambling. What do you think about the comparison of Deshaun's suspension versus other players who've got suspended for doing different things? Yeah, I think, um, well, when I talked about this in my essay for the network, um, Calvin Ridley uh, gambled $1,500 um, on it, on NFL games while he was out on a mental health break. And so I do think there is a really big difference. And the NFL does have to wrestle with um, the disparities and the punish punishments that they dole out to different players and for what causes. What does it say to women um, who either encountered Deshaun Watson or friends with the women who encountered Deshaun Watson? The fact that a part of this uh, ruling says that now he has to get his um, treatments um, from in-house uh, league uh, and sorry, team masseuses. I, I just, it's just very puzzling. What does this really tell women about their value um, in contrast to Deshaun Watson's value? So, yeah, I think Calvin Ridley is a really good example of something that the league has to wrestle with. And also, whether or not um, these suspensions, although we know again, Sue Robinson was uh, the person who came up with this particular, uh, I'm saying sentence, it's not a sentence discipline, um, still Roger Goodell has the final say on this and whether or not it will be six games, whether or not be more, whether or not there would be a fine attached, whether or not it would be much lighter from a conversation that he ends up having with Deshaun Watson like he did with Ben Roethlisberger. So one of the things that's at play here is not necessarily justice. It's all public perception and how people feel about right. it and how they react to it. And you mentioned Mr. Goodell. He has the he has the ability to sort of appeal this or to try to make it stronger, which they apparently wanted 12 games or a full season. But part of me feels like they might just want it to go away and might not appeal. How do you expect the NFL to react to this discipline from Ms. Robinson? Yeah, I, I don't know that at all. But what I can say is, again, 
in the case of bon Ben Roethlisberger, he uh, actually lightened his um, suspension. He reduced the suspension. So he could also do that. I think that there are a number of people who have reacted on social media to what's been reported. Um, and they're saying that this is too light. It's a slap on the wrist. Um, the fact that he has to now go in-house is, it's, 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 it's insane, right? Like, so I think part of this is um, really having the NFL reckon with public perception of its treatment of women. Um, as the NFL continues to gain more and more support from a women-based fan base, it's almost half of the, the league's viewership now are women. What does this tell your women fans? You know, and I, I don't know the answer to that. I think we'll see if the NFL says they're going to take this um, punishment as is, whether or not they're going to appeal it. Don't know. But I think this, it, it speaks volumes. Angela, I alluded to this earlier, but I want to hear your feelings and thoughts on this. To me, the circumstance changed dramatically and it allowed Deshaun and his representatives to sleep a lot better when the Cleveland Browns are gonna give you a $230 million contract while all of this is happening. And so from the outside looking in and a legal perspective, it seemed for a lot of people like, it, are they able to do that under these circumstances? So for you, what, what was that like when you saw that happen while the civil suits were still taking place before the ruling even was announced? Yeah, I, again, I think that it says, you know, this is not that big of a deal. Um, it also alludes to something else I've been told by a source that um, Deshaun Watson's behavior is not actually an anomaly, that it's uh, very uh, widely known that there are several players that engage in this same behavior. And what the, the Cleveland Browns actions tell me is that perhaps that is indeed the, the, the case. Because why would you, if you suspect that um, someone has engaged in sexual misconduct, um, some has, have gone so far based on the uh, touching, the alleged touching, to say that it's alleged sexual assault, why would you um, go forth with a... Um, go forth with a, a, a historic, not just a, a guaranteed historic. contract, but a, the yes. largest in NFL history. Why would you go forward with that under those circumstances unless this is something that you've seen before and you're comfortable with it? And so that's something that I think also has to be addressed. If this is behavior that other players engage in, it has to be stopped and it has to be stopped now. If this were in any other industry um, in this country, people would be raising hell about it. And so I think that's the other part. We have to talk about how this is not on par um, with what has happened after the Me Too movement, with believing all women, with um, ensuring that people have their voices heard. And while the criminal charges against Deshaun Watson were not pursued, again, the fact that three more of these lawsuits were settled today, I think also speaks volumes. Angela, thank you so much. Well we really said. appreciate your perspective. You. And we look forward to having you back on the show. Appreciate we'll be back very shortly after a short break to celebrate the life, not just on the court, but also off the court of the greatest champion in team sports history, Bill Russell. Welcome back to Jalen Jacoby, coming to you live above the Heineken River Deck here at Pier 17 in New York City. Jalen Rose, over the weekend, Bill Russell passed away, and he means so much 
to so many, both on and off the basketball floor. But before we discuss his impact off the floor, let's talk about his on-court achievements. Look at what he has achieved in his career as a player. The original NBA forefather, Jacoby, 11 championships in 13 seasons. All respect due to Jerry West, but the gentleman you're looking at right there should actually be the logo of the NBA. He also was the first African-American coach in the league as well. And the beautiful thing about Bill Russell, rebound the basketball with tenacity, changed and blocked basically every shot that came down the paint. And his infectious leadership and personality. If you see that highlight right there, that's left shoulder, left hand. There's also footage of him turning, shooting his right hand bank shot also. And so his ability to change ends of the floor and affect winning. I talk about this a lot. The rings and things we sing about, he can definitely bring them out. And if your list of top players of all time gets past three or four, and it doesn't mention Bill Russell, it just means that you either weren't young enough to see him play, which I wasn't old enough to see him play, or you're not student enough for the game to recognize his greatness. And so many times, and people do that over errors, you wanna minimize the error behind yours because I don't care if it's movies, I don't care if it's music, I don't care if it's sports, we all want our error to have the best. And so as time has passed by and youngsters are gonna see these grand, this grainy footage and sometimes not appreciate the athleticism and the ability to not only be dominant, but historically dominant. And when y'all look deeper into that footage, there's another guy that he was going against toe to toe. His name was Wilt Chamberlain. And those two guys embody everything as it relates to dominance. Wilt Chamberlain, the most dominant offensive weapon the game has seen, hence averaging 50 points in a game, competed against Bill Russell in the air, where Bill Russell was leading the league in the, uh, rebounds, leading the league in blocks, and stopping Wilt Chamberlain from winning championships, stopping Jerry West from winning championships, Jerry West is what, one and seven in the finals? One and eight in the finals? Like, because of the Celtics' great dominance and Red Arback's ability to not only help integrate the NBA in a lot of ways, because the Celtics were one, if not the first teams to start an all-black starting lineup. And for those that didn't know, Bill Russell won two championships in college, and as a dominant collegiate player, that rolled over into the NBA. And so we lost an NBA forefather, an icon. And as you know, in my own space, not an all-time great player, not a multi-time all-star. Like, I had a relationship with Bill Russell. I have a relationship with his wife, Janine. And for those who have been watching this show, y'all have seen us promote his auctions, Y'all seen us talk about what he does, but here's something I wanna also acknowledge that's extremely important. Ran the floor like a gazelle, Jacoby. Changed into the floor for a five man like a gazelle. 
On a day where we celebrate Bill Russell and we're gonna to continue to celebrate him and he deserves it. I'm just so very proud that in the 10 years that we've done this show, as many of these years as possible, that I have him right over my right shoulder. And this picture over my shoulder, ladies and gentlemen, is the most iconic picture in the history of sports. The gentleman on the far left, that was Lou Alcindor as a 19-year-old before he came Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The gentleman next to him, that's Jim Brown, the greatest running back to ever play in the NFL. The person sitting next to him, that's Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time mm -hmm. as it related to boxing. And so Bill Russell was an iconic figure clearly on the floor, but more iconic off of it. As somebody that was born in the 70s, Jacoby, my childhood, you know the Bill Russell I got to know? The Bill Russell as a child, as a fan. Yeah, I was watching Dr. J. I was watching Magic Johnson. I was watching Larry Bird. But you know what I was learning about Bill Russell? Activism and giving back to the community. Yep. And how about that infectious smile that he has? And that, that huge laugh that lights up a room. The gentleman, deservedly so, won a Presidential Medal of Freedom. A Presidential Medal of Freedom. An iconic, historic individual that overcame so much off the floor. And one of the stories that I thought was urban legend when I was a youngster growing up, and this was still where our country was like, trying to grapple with like uh, coming out of Jim Crow laws. It was the urban legend about Bill Russell returning home and having feces all over his house. Like I remember hearing about that story and the, the, the one thing about him playing in Boston is when he retired and it has celebrations for him like to retire his number, he did it basically in the privacy of those that he loved and teammates because he felt like he wasn't celebrated and embraced by the fans because he was a black man. Jalen. Yes, sir. One thing that did, I want to just to piggyback on that is he didn't go to the Hall of Fame when he was inducted because he felt like other black players needed to be celebrated before him. Like, like imagine your own Hall of Fame celebration and he decided, he's so selfless that he decided, I'm not even going to attend that because I feel like this process is unfair to my people. So Jacoby, you're from the Massachusetts area and please correct me if I'm wrong like you always do. Ted Williams hit 400 and never won a World Series. He got a freeway named after him before Bill Russell got a statue. Yep. And when I learned that, it was a graduation to all of the stories that I knew about him off the floor. Is that while he was a trailblazer as a player, an iconic figure that not only coached, see, he coached the Celtics, but he coached two other teams also. A mm -hmm. lot of people don't know that He's as a player well. coach for the Celtics. Correct. He was. So when we say he won 11 championships in 13 years, everyone, that means he was a player and a coach while winning during that period of time. And so we lost a giant in the NBA, an iconic figure, a forefather of the game. And I, I, I truly am, uh, am honored that he knew my name 
to be able to interview him, to be able to talk to him, to be able to have him tell me stories about my biological Jim, father, Jimmy Walker, who, as you know, um, spent a lot of his years in Roxbury, Massachusetts. And so one of my funniest multimedia moments was the 2004 NBA Finals when the Lakers and the Pistons were playing. And you know, as a media member, there's footage of me running up on Dwayne Wade, like, yo, Dwayne Wade, I want to interview him. He's a champion, da, da, da. But there's in 2007, when that, when that picture happened. But that picture happened that you just showed, and we were laughing about it because in 2004, I saw Bill Russell, and I was intimidated to interview him, Jacoby. You? I was literally, I was intimidated to interview him because I saw myself as a bug on the windshield. Like, I ain't about to be wasting Bill Russell's time. He ain't got time to be talking to me. That's how much respect, that's how legendary, that's how iconic he is. So I love you, we love you. We're sending prayers to your family, again, to your wife, Janine. And I'm just so happy that he also signed a book for me that I have and I cherish and he will be missed. It's, it's astonishing to say, but even with 11 championships, the impact he had off the floor Preach. was more than the impact that he had Preach. on the floor. Yes, sir. We will forever celebrate Bill Russell, not just today, not just yes. this week, not just this month, but forever because of the man that he was, not just the basketball player Every that he day. was. And we will be back Every right after day. this very short break. You're watching Rest Jalen in and peace, Jacoby. legend. Welcome back to Jalen and Jacoby, Jalen Rose. A long time ago, you said every day that Brittany Griner remains in Russia, we're going to mention it on the program. I never thought we'd still be doing it. Wrongfully detained, 165 days. We here at Jalen and Jacoby just wish her a speedy, safe return to the United States. Jalen, you're in Seattle this weekend. What do you see? Jamal Crawford Summer League, the crossover. The number one pick, Paolo, Ben Carroll. The number two pick, Chet Holmgren, they were both there. Jaden McDaniels of the Minnesota Timberwolves was there. The house was full, but I got a chance to break bread and spend time with my little brother, Jamal Crawford. It was a beautiful thing. It was all love. Make sure y'all check it out when y'all in the area like y'all should check us out tomorrow. Love. We always say we give the people what they want. Part of that is doing podcast exclusive content for our podcast listeners. Jalen, we mentioned this briefly on the television program, but I want to dig deep into your experience in Seattle. See, one thing I know about you, Jay, is you say you're going to do a lot of things. You're going to remember you're going to follow Shohei Otani like the dead. You know what I mean? You say you're going to be in this city and do this and that. And you told Jamal Crawford when he was on the show that you're going to come by and check him out at the, at the crossover. And I didn't think you ever would. <laughs> wow. You be saying stuff sometimes. Wow, wow. You be saying stuff. Hey, you been having confidence in your brother. <laughs> Remember you said you're going to come to my rec league games and coach? Remember how many of those you've been to? I still can. You know, I you just say will. you're going to take me and the kids out to the crab spot that we like. You know what I mean? Like, you be saying stuff. But sometimes, and I'm trying to compliment you in a, in a backhanded way, you do it. You pulled up to Jamal Crawford's Pro-Am, and you saw some, some young oh. prospects in action. We spoke about it briefly, but I wanna go in depth. What was your experience like? Take me through every single thing about your experience at the crossover Pro-Am in Seattle. So first and foremost, I love Jamal Crawford like a little brother. 
He tells the story about being recruited to go to Michigan and making sure that they gave him my locker wow. before he signed his letter of intent. Wow. That That's the gravity of how far our relationship goes back. And uniquely, as a member of the Fab Five, the one thing that I've noticed is a lot of times when we play unique places that we didn't always play, we end up garnering more fans there. One time, we actually played in Seattle. And I remember meeting Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and getting love in that region, never truly realizing that I, we were inspiring a young person like a Jamal Crawford. And he goes to Michigan, he does his thing, he goes to the league. Jamal Crawford is a multi-time six-man of the year. Well, hold on. Our, our audience might not know that when he got to the league, Jalen Rose was a teammate. Correct. I was going to get there. J- Jamal Crawford is a multi-time six-man of the year. And as I look back at his career, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Huh. Look, b- because I, I, I think about when I played with him, right? I played with him in two different teams. And this ain't cap. Like, this is, I, I'm about to really break something down for y'all. Jamal Crawford was the first NBA player that was doing stuff that you just watched in New York City point guards. Mm-hmm. He was the first guy. And playing with him for two different teams, I remember him doing moves between the legs, behind the back, jumping, taking the ball between his legs, addressing people in the one-on-one the way he crossed over. Like, nobody was doing it like that. Nobody. There's and, footage and, of and, him in Point God. There's footage of him in the documentary doing moves like now at his age that I seem that seem unfathomable. And, and, and the one thing about him, he also was clutch. And stop me if you're a Knicks fan or a Hawks fan or a Clippers fan. Jamal Crawford had that ball. You knew he was gonna shake somebody, and you knew. It don't matter if it was contested three. He could knock it down. He's made more three-pointers while getting fouled than any player in the history of the league. So what does that actually mean? He doesn't attempt the most. He doesn't score the most, per se. What does that mean? What that means is he's shooting them contested off the dribble. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. They're not like, catch-and-shoot corner threes. When, you know what I mean? When you look at Jalen Rose highlights and I'm shooting a three, it ain't because I just took three or four dribbles. You see what I'm saying? Like, his offensive game looked different. And there's a play, and I know this meant so much to him. When Kirk, poor Kirk Heinrich, I love him. I'm glad he played in the league for a long time. But but one of the worst things that could have happened for him is that the coach put him ahead of Jamal Crawford. So now, every time Jamal Crawford played against him and them, he was gonna put on the show. And there was that one play, and, and I believe I just saw Kenny Anderson do the exact same. And I didn't see all the point guys. I literally just watched like 75% of it last night. I, 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 and I, I stopped it. It don't matter when I stopped it. I watched like 75% of it. But there's a move when he's on the break, where he's on the right side, and he go behind the back between the legs, and he just drops Kurt Heinrich. And... As he graduated as a player, let me give you more Jamal Crawford facts. 
Did you know he's one of four people to score 40 points for four different teams? He's only four people have done that. I believe it's Wilt, Bernard King, him, and one more person. He Maybe made LeBron. like he, he made like 14 straight field goals for the Knicks one night. It was some <laughs> wild. It was like 14 or 15, something like that. And, and, wow. and you ready for this? No dunks. Huh. No yeah. dunks. No dunks. Jamal Crawford was off the dribble for three, off the dribble mid-range. And so I, I love him. I love his game. And you know the other thing that he did is put on for his region, Seattle. Doug Christie mm-hmm. uh, was like one of the originators of the modern day to like kick down the door for Seattle basketball and ushered in players like Brandon Roy, Isaiah Thomas, and now Paolo, who's the number one pick, who Jamal Crawford took under his wing as a ninth grader. So it was great for me to be in the arena, in the gym, And let me show you how God works. I cannot make this up. I cannot make this up. On Saturday, around 4 p.m. Eastern, I went to the game. Jamal Crawford stopped the game and brought me on the floor and gave me a salute. He said then, we've only stopped the game in 15 years for two people. You know who the other one was? Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Wow. He, he literally just said that to me, and less than 12 hours later, we lost the icon. And so I applaud Jamal being a player again. One other thing I'm going to say to compliment him. When y'all see LeBron showing up at Rucker, I mean, when y'all see LeBron showing up at Drew or um, DeMar DeRozan, who's consistently done it, and now players doing it. Kevin Durant and Jamal Crawford are the two players that always did that. Always summer basketball. Always did it. Like, so for me, that was no, so my era, I'm leaving my era out of this. Like my era, we did that all of the time. That was just like nothing. But then I noticed something. After me, players stopped doing two things, Jacoby. Playing outside and playing for free. Jamal Crawford, Kevin Durant, two players that always did that. So I am not surprised that he still has his own Pro-Am League where he just scored 46 points in three quarters. That's now bringing in Paolo. That's bringing in Chet. Let me talk to you about them. They was balling. Out there between the leg, behind the back, dunking. I think I think Paolo had 50. Like, I think... I think he I had think they 50. combined for 72. So I thought Paolo <laughs> right. had 50, but he had like, something I'm like, like that. Yeah. I'm like, hold on. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, he's scoring. You know what I'm saying? And then Jaden McDaniels was also there. He plays for Minnesota. He's playing on the other he's team. Good. Yeah, he not, he's not a household high, name, but he's good. <laughs> he's out there half yeah. nine killing him. You know what I'm saying? And so the next day, Trey Young, um, Devontae Murray, John Collins. All were invited to come play. And so he's built his own version of the summer league literally and brought it to Seattle. Because if he had not have done it, it clearly wouldn't have been done. So I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. Friend of the show, my little brother. And he's accomplished so many amazing things in the league that are extremely notable that he definitely deserves Hall of Fame consideration. And I say that about him, and I ain't stuttering at all.
I remember this game. I'm watching it. 2007, January 26th. The Heat just won the championship. They're the defending champs. Jamal Crawford missed his first four shots. So if I miss four shots in a row, I'm not shooting again. The rest of the That's just me. I'm mentally weak. Not shooting again. Not shooting again. That's it. Give me an open layup with Ben Simmons at. Jamal Crawford misses his first four shots. He goes on to make his next 16 shots. Eight of them are three-pointers. 16 Boom. shots in a row. Eight are three-pointers. All contested. None of them are created by somebody else. He's, You know, Steve Novak, he's just a catch and shoot. Oh, you drive a <laughs> kick to me, I'm going to knock it down. Jamal Crawford makes his own buckets. Eight three-pointers, 16 in a row, 52 points against the defending champs. One of the best performances in the history of New York Knicks basketball. And he did that in so many different uniforms. He did it in his final, his final year for the Suns. 60 points. Jamal Crawford's final month in the NBA, he averaged 40. Say it again. Jamal Crawford's final month in the NBA for the Phoenix Suns, he averaged 40. And I'll tell y'all something that he won't say. Jamal Crawford is your hooper's hooper. Like, he ain't trying to, like, be in the weight. While everybody else in the weight room trying to see how much they can bench, he trying to see what next ball handling trick he can do. And between Phoenix and the bubble, he got invited to play for the Nets. And he actually got injured working out. That's how he got injured. Shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have worked out. He was lifting weights and working out for the Nets in the bubble. And that's how he got hurt. Because had he not got hurt, he was going to put on a show in the bubble. And he would have been back in the league continuing to play. And so I'm happy for him. It was a terrific atmosphere, sold out atmosphere. Fans was lined up around the block, Jacoby. I rolled past there earlier. I'm like, I'm glad I ain't got to wait in that line. I'm glad I ain't got to wait in that line. <laughs> he, I saw him over the weekend. He was like, get, get, get there early if you're coming. <laughs> get there early if you're coming. It was packed, so it was a good look, and I was happy to be there. Great. Well, Jalen, I'm glad you were there. Glad you pulled up. Jalen, I'm glad we're doing all this discussion of Summer League basketball because you mentioned that Kevin Durant's one who shows up 11 years ago today, this actual date, this day, he pulled up to Rucker Park, Holcomb Rucker Park, 66 points, like it was nothing. Tore the place down. <laughs> People still talk about it today. I love that from them. And I love the support that you showed for Mr. Crawford. And um, here's my question for you. Seeing Chet Holmgren up close and personal, just, just being in the building, being close to him, how did you feel about his body type that people like us spend so much time discussing? Well, he's going to have to get stronger. You know, he's, he's a young man. He's a young professional. He has a, 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 a thin frame. He, he has to get stronger, and he will. He's going to grow into his body. But he has a couple of things that you can't teach. First off, he's really aggressive. I love, love that. that. I yep. love that. Like, he trying to block everything. He trying to dunk everything. I, I, since the beginning of time, trust me, all people like big guys that's going to punish smaller people that's on. That, that's the one thing. I was like, you get a small, you get, if, if, if somebody's not his height, he going to dunk on them. You know, and I love that. 
but but the the things I also love, Jacoby, crazy skill set. Grabbing a board between the leg, behind the back, yep. and can pass. I saw him drop a couple of dimes. I was like, oh, Chet dropping a couple of dimes. Okay. Can pass. Um, a capable three-point shooter. Um, obviously, like any young player, as I mentioned, he's got to work on that area, but the sky's the limit for his growth. So for me, like I said, punishing smaller guys, dunking and trying to block everything with aggression, uh, a, a crazy skill set. And, and, and you know what else I like too? He got a, he got a good, uh, what's the term I want to use? He got, you know in boxing they call it ring generalship. Like he got a good personality out there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like he's a part of he he's a part of the orchestra. You know that that's what I saw because usually when you're like the I've been in this position like when you know that all eyes on you you can kind of be like either press or like make it about you. Like I liked it. Even the guys that weren't former pros or currently in the league, he was trying to get them involved. He was like, I, I, I pay attention to stuff like that. And so I appreciate him. I appreciate his game and got a chance to say what's up to him. For Paolo. Like, I, I feel like go Paolo's ahead. gonna be rookie of the year, but Chet's gonna have a better career. You know what I mean? I, that, that's kind of how I feel. And I feel like Chet's gonna really develop. And one thing about Chet that I don't like is when people try to com compare him to Chris Hasporzingis. It's like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Body type similar, but like, Kristaps Porzingis ain't going behind the back and transition and pulling up for three. Kristaps Porzingis is not inside out crossing you. Kristaps Porzingis doesn't look at his man and be like, all right, I'm gonna get past him and then I'm gonna dunk on him. You know, like, like that. that's what, that's how Chet feels, like that aggression and that like complete game, that three level scoring, like that is what I love about Chet. And that's why I, I hate the Kristaps Porzingis comparisons. Well, it's funny that and that's a great breakdown by you because you you basically highlighted my my thought and articulated it for me. When when I said that I, I like his aggression trying to change or block every shot and trying to dunk everything, Christos Porzingis is a 20-point scorer in the league and he got game, but to your point, they're vastly different how they get it. Mm -hmm. And what Porzingis had to do is reinvent himself as somebody that wasn't going to be dunking on the smaller guys. Remember, there were times where he got nicknamed the unicorn. It was like that's he was he was 20 points, two blocks. And again, Chet has a long way to go in this game, and Porzingis still has an all-star potential in the East. But uh it was great to see those guys play.